0: We are now going to continue with the second half of Perak chapter 2 of Daniel. As you will recall from yesterday's shiur, the king had dreamt a very frightening dream. He couldn't remember what the dream was, and he definitely did not know its explanation. He threatened all his wise men with execution and annihilation if they could not tell him what his dream was, nor its explanation, but he offered to reward them if they could. Nobody was able to give him the appropriate answer, and they were all in the process being ready for execution. When Daniel approached Aryoch, the chief executioner, and said, Introduce me to the king. I will try to give him an answer. Aryoch agreed. Daniel and his friends prayed for divine inspiration, and Daniel now appears in front of the king to tell him what his dream is. We are now up to Pasuk Haftet, verse 29. Ant malka, rayoncha silku you, O oh King, your thoughts came to you while you were in your bed. What would happen in the future? The Galay Rase and the Revealer of Secrets, Hashem, Hodecha Ma Di informed you of what will happen. So now he comes to tell him what the dream is going to be. You were thinking about the eventual fate of the kingdom, and therefore you dreamt about it. And then we see Daniel's absolute, beautiful humility when he continues his explanation. Pasuk Lamed vanna and I lo ati di Ita bi not because of the wisdom that I possess minkal chaya from any other living creature. Raza de nagaleli was this secret revealed to me. Lahen rather al divrati pisherel emalkayeho de ve'ayrayoneh va live so that rather to make the interpretation note to the king, so that you may know what occupied your thoughts. And now we'll hear what the dream was. Ant Malka, you, O king, you were you were looking, the and behold, You saw a huge statue. The statue was immense, it had extraordinary brightness, it's standing opposite you, and it's it's fearsome to behold. Absolutely awesome. Now, how what was the statue made of? He then describes the structure of the statue, Pasuklabid Bed. Hu this statue, Reshaidi tav its head was made of fine gold. Chadohi udirau ohi diksaf, and its breast and its arms were made of silver. Meohi v'yarkitei dinachash, its belly and thighs were made of copper. Let's continue to the next verse. Lamid Gimel, shakohi difarzel, its legs were of iron. Raglehu farzel difarzel, Handi Hasaf, and its feet were partially made of earth, and part par- sorry, partially made of iron and partially made of earth. So he pictures this enormous statue that's made of different materials moving from gold on the top down to silver, down to copper, iron, and then iron mixed with earthenware or terracotta. And what happens as the king is looking at the statue, Pasuk Lamid verse 34, Chasehavet, you were watching. Adi Hit Gazreit Eben until a stone was cut out, Dilobiiddin, but it wasn't cut out by hands. Umachaklitzamah, and it hit the um the idol, the image, the statue, Al Ragluhdi Farzallah, on its feet of iron, the and earthenware. The Hadak and it crumbled them. And once the feet crumbled, continuing on, all of a sudden they all crumbled together the iron, the earthenware, the copper, the silver, and the gold. What happened to them? They became like chaff on a threshing floor, and a river blows them away, carries them away. Atar and they couldn't be find any found any place. The Avnadi and the stone which had struck this statue, Havat became a great mountain, umalat kol Ara and filled up the whole earth. this is your dream, Upishrei and now I will tell its interpretation before the king. So Nebuchadnezzar had this um, dream of a mighty statue becoming crumbled and then the stone which had hit it and started its downfall becoming a great mountain and finally um, filling up the entire earth. Notice that Daniel uses a plural here. He says, U nomar kadamalka, and we will say its explanation, this could either be court usage or it could be Daniel and his friends together. So now he goes on and he's going to give the king Um, His explanation, Pasuk Lamed Ant Malka, you king, Melech Malchaya, the king of kings. This is very, he's giving him great honorifics, Diel HaShmaya Malchuta who the God of heaven has given a, sorry, who the God of heaven, Malchuta Chisnei V'takfa V'yikrei has given a strong kingdom power and honor, and then he describes Nebuchadnezzar's power. Anasha, and any place where people live, bera, or animals of the field, ואוב or the birds of the heaven, God has given them into your hand, and he's made you ruler over all of them. So this is a beautiful description of how powerful the king is, you rule over all of existence, you therefore antu Resha di You are the golden head. Remember that the brain controls the body. It's the best. Gold is the best metal. You are in charge of everything. You are in control. And then, however, after Nebuchadnezzar, what will happen? Pasuk lamitet ubatrech. And after you tikom alhu acharei, there will come another kingdom, araminach, which is inferior to you. Uma and a third kingdom acharei after that Dinechasha, that is that is made of copper okay bechol ara that will also rule over the other nation, over the entire world so a secondary kingdom which is silver and a third kingdom which is gold okay will rule over most of most of known existence but they will be inferior to vuchanetsa. The Abarbanel notes that only the third kingdom is described as ruling over everything because he says that's the Greek kingdom and that ruled over more than the Persians did. The Greek empire was greater than the Persian empire. And then he goes on to describe the fourth kingdom, Pasukmen. Umachor and the fourth kingdom. Tehava takifa will be as strong as iron. Kol di mahadek, just like Iron can crumble the chashel koloh and flatten everything. So too, as iron shatters all of these, it will crumble and shatter. And the fact that you saw feet and toes that were partially made of of pottery, the of the potters. The the potter, uminahan parzel and partially made of iron, machu peliga tehabe, it will be a divided kingdom. Uminitzafta di parzelah, and so it will have some of the firmness of iron, lahaveba in it, cokabel di chazita, just as you saw, parzilla ma arab chassaftina, um iron mixed with clayish earthenware. The etzba'at ragleah, and the the as for the toes, mean han parzalu minhan chassaf, which were partially iron and partially earthenware. Some of the kingdom will be powerful, and part of it will be broken. He continues, pasuk mem arav tina, and that you saw iron mixed with that clay. Mitarvin lahon asha they will mix with the offspring of men but they will not cling to one another <inaudible> one to the other <inaudible> just as iron cannot become integrated with earthenware but they still keep their own respective identities so the toes which are I'm sorry the, the toes and the feet represent split up kingdoms which will mix with each other but not assimilate each one will retain its own identity um the toes also represent the uneven balance of power now how will they um what does this represent not to give anything away but this idea of spreading out but not integrating could represent the pan Hellenistic empire, which we will see in a couple of minutes as we discuss it. lemalchaya, and in the days of those kingdoms, meaning in the days of the fourth empire, inon la, the king of heaven, the God of heaven will establish a kingship, a kingdom which will last forever lo titchabal, okay, it will never be destroyed, umachuta la achran, lo and its serenity will never be given to another people, tadik, it will crumble, Vitasif, and it will consume, Call ilin all these other kingdoms, v'hi tikum and it will last forever, so there will be a divinely ordained kingdom that will succeed these four, and that will never be subjugated to anybody else, di Okay, just as you saw, di mitura evan that from a from a stone was was cut out from a mountain di but not by human hands. and it crumbled the iron, the copper, the earthenware, the silver, and the gold. And, Okay, Ella Rav Hoda Lemalka, the great God has made known to the king. Madi Lahave lahavei dina, what will happen in the future? V'yitziv chelma, the dream is true, Umehiman pishra, and its interpretation is reliable. So Rav Sadie Gaon points out over here that Daniel is flattering the king, that he says to him, God has revealed all this to you because you are a great king, Um, The Abar however, sees it differently, and he says, basically, Nebuchadnezzar is being warned, don't be so cocky. Even though you destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, you will not last forever. What is Nebuchadnezzar's reaction? Ba'edain malkan Nebuchadnezzar nefal an anfeho. Nebuchadnezzar then falls upon his face, treating Daniel like a god. Ule Daniel sigad, and he praised, or he... Prostrated himself in front of Daniel, and he wished to uh, exalt him with offerings, with incense. He's treating Daniel as if he's a god. And the king says to Daniel, "The Amar Shot in truth, the Alhachon who Alaha Elohim." I know that your God is the God of all gods, Umare Malchin, and the Lord of the kings, Vegale Razin, and the one who reveals secrets, Di Lemigle Raza Dina, because you were able to reveal me this secret. Adian Malkale Daniel Rabbi, then he promoted Daniel. The king promoted Daniel, Umitanan Rav Ravin Sagiin Yahavle, and he gave him many great gifts. The al midinat Babel and he appointed him as a ruler over the entire land of Babel al Babel and chief official over all the wise men. this echoes what happened to us with Yosef as well where when he gives a successful interpretation the king appoints him over the entire country And Daniel daniel requested of the king umane al and he appointed um he appointed Alavide Tadi Medinat Bavel over the affairs of the land of Bavel. Lishadrach Meshach vaAvadnego, Shadrach Meshach and Avadnego, who we know as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Vidaniel and Daniel B'trah sat in the gate of the king, meaning that he was the he was in a judge just as we had with Mordechai sitting at the gate of the king, being a court official. Now, who were these four kingdoms that are represented by gold, silver, copper, and iron mixed with clay or stone? It's interesting that the commentaries are all united until we get to the fourth kingdom. Um, Rashi, following the Midrash, Rav Sadia, the Abarbanel, the Ibn Ezra, all feel that the gold was Badel, which is what... Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. The silver is paras the Persian Empire. Remember, the silver is the arms, two arms, and there are two kingdoms that are united. We then move on to the copper, which most people see as the Greeks, the, the Hellenistic Empire. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Midan has a different interpretation, which we'll come to shortly, because he sees this... this vision as a short-term vision as opposed to a long-term vision. So the copper would be the Hellenistic Empire. The Ibn Ezra, however, sees the Hellenistic Empire as, uh, sorry, the copper as being Rome as well. And then who are the iron and clay? The iron and clay are either Edom, Rome, or Edom and the Muslim conquest, Edom and Yishmael, because we have a mixture of two different um, materials. And finally, what is the stone? They all agree it's Mashiach. So we'll be going to, through. we will live through four different kingdoms, four different types of serenity, and ultimately Mashiach will come and redeem us. As I mentioned, Rav Yaakov Midan of Gush Etzion takes a shorter view of this, and he sees these four kingdoms rather as ending in the time of the Hashmonaim. So as we said, the gold is Babel, the silver is the Persian Empire, Copper is Alexander, and the iron mixed with clay are Alexander's successors, known as the Diadochi, the four generals who tried to take over afterwards and who did not get along very well with each other. And then the stone, says Rabbi Yaakov Midan, is the Chashmonaim who were able to overcome that sovereignty over the land of Israel. It's interesting to note that the number four, Maharal sees the number four as representing divisiveness and division. So we have four kingdoms over here. We're living through these eras of divisiveness, but ultimately a stone will come and unite us. Also of interest is Rav Cook's interpretation. Rav Cook cited these this this vision when he talked about World War One, because we then saw four powers becoming greatly weakened. Prussia, Russia, Austria-Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire. So, just an interesting, and he saw this then as the Itchalta de Geula, the beginning of the redemption. I'd just like to conclude with a few words from a famous poem by Percy Bysshe Shelley. Percy Bysshe Shelley describes how one kingdom falls after another, and I think that he may have been inspired by this vision of Daniel. And on the pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my work, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing besides remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. The statue is gone, but the kingdom of Hashem endures forever.